Hello, and welcome to the Power Your Advice podcast. The Power Your Advice podcast is designed to bring you new ideas, why those ideas should be considered, and how you might implement those ideas into your practices. The Power Your Advice podcast is brought to you by iris.xyz, the most helpful place advisors can come to to grow their minds and businesses. Power Your Advice at iris.xyz. This is your host, Doug Heikinen. And our guest today is Nancy Hetrick, who is the founder of Smarter Divorce Solutions. Hi, Nancy. How are you? Hi, Doug. I'm I'm doing well, working remotely like everyone else, pretty much. Yeah. You were also a financial advisor for a long time. Oh, I still am. You still are. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Still an active IAR, investment advisor rep with Better Money Decisions, and have my own wealth practice as well. You bet. Well, great. Well, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So how are you doing during this time? Is this something that you do work remotely often or is this new for you too? Uh, It is very new for me and my team. I actually have five employees on my team. And the good news is when I launched my business in 2012, I very deliberately decided that I wanted it to be 100% cloud-based. We wanted to be paperless, have all of our files cloud-based so that at any point, anybody's computer could explode and it wouldn't matter in our office. And so it made the switch to working remote very seamless. And, and it really has worked out quite well. As an entrepreneur, let's talk about how to maximize this time to beat the competition when things ramp back up again. What should we be investing in? Absolutely. Recognizing the trends that are going to be coming in the next two to three to four months The fear, especially as a financial advisor, the fear that people are feeling right now. And I've actually heard anecdotally people telling me that they have not heard from their advisor in the last month and a half. And I hope that that is not you listening to this podcast. This is a time that is so critical to be over communicating with your clients. And then as far as preparing for the next wave, if you are doing that properly, planting the seeds with your clients that if they have friends or family who are maybe not having such a stellar experience with their advisor, you are available to give them a second opinion and, you know, positioning yourself for that, that next wave and new trends that are coming in the business. Um, I think Doug, as you know, I specialize in the divorce market and you know, there's a lot of people that are really struggling right now And we know that we're probably 30 days away from our divorce pandemic. That'll be right around the corner. So (laughs) we'll get get there. But I really want to ask you, you've actually heard from people who say they haven't heard from their advisor. There's so much content out there right now telling advisors to, this is the time you're supposed to be talking to people. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I heard that and I was like, are you kidding me? And, you know, I think there are advisors out there that maybe are spreading themselves too thin and having a practice made up of small dollar clients and they have hundreds and hundreds of clients and it makes that contact, continuing contact more difficult. Are there things that you're finding yourself that you're doing differently than when you were, when you were going into the office? So how are you being successful using this time differently? Well, one of the things we started right out of the gate is every morning, we have a Zoom session, me and the team, to just check in. How's everybody doing? What are we working on right now? What are the things we would normally be talking about if we were in the office? 
I saw a great idea earlier this week on a leadership podcast. I actually keep my Zoom window open all day long so that any of my employees can drop into my office anytime they want to. And I think that was a kind of a powerful thing. It really helps us all to stay connected. Uh, the other thing that I'm doing and I'm advising my entire team to do is get outside for at least 30 minutes a day. Uh, we're blessed enough to be in Phoenix, Arizona, where it is stunningly gorgeous out right now. And so, you know, get outside. That cabin fever is a very real thing. That's a great idea. Let's get into your sweet spot. And, you know, I was wondering if this is a good time to talk about divorce, but you've already kind of alluded to the fact that it is. It's a very, very difficult time for people right now. I mean, imagine if you were in a marriage that had already become difficult, right? And typically there's about a two-year period between the time that one member first thinks the thought, I think we might end up divorced. It's about two years before they actually move forward with the divorce. But during that two years, it can be very, very tense and stressful. So now you're locked in a house together 24-7, and you probably have a whole bunch of financial stress added to that to that scenario. And so I think a lot of couples right now are really struggling, not to mention almost all of the superior court system across the country is also in quarantine. So any divorce proceedings that were scheduled are now being put off two months, three months, even four months. And so it, it has put couples in a very difficult position not only are they stuck at home, they're stuck in a marriage they don't want to be in. It seems like for relationships as a whole, it's either going to bond you or if you were kind of on the outs anyway, it's really going to drive you apart faster. Oh, exactly true. Exactly true. Uh, I, I'm thrilled to say that there's no one I'd rather be quarantined with than my husband. We just were best friends and it's it's amazing, Right. But again, if that stress in your relationship was already there, there is no underestimating the amount of stress, additional stress coming into your household in this time period. And, you know, so we've been really talking on social media about just because you're stuck at home does not mean you need to be stuck in your marriage. And we are absolutely up and running virtually. And my whole company specializes in no attorneys, no judges, no courtrooms anyway. So that kind of makes it very, very feasible for people to continue moving forward with their lives. And sometimes just that progress, just knowing you're able to make some progress is enough to really let the steam off on the stress on the relationship. So are we picturing Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner in the War of the Roses? Or are there some strategies that you're moving down that road really quickly that you can advise advisors to give their clients? And if, if clients are listening to this, what strategies can you give them to like get through this to, so you can take action when it's time? Well, the, the nice thing is they don't have to wait. They can absolutely start moving forward. And what I find with a lot of couples is once they make this decision, once they speak it out loud, then the, 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 the stress disappears very quickly because all of the built up resentment of why aren't you the spouse I need you to be disappears. 
Once you've made that decision to end the marriage, I, I hear from a lot of couples, they actually start getting along better than they have in decades because they've made the decision. And sometimes that's just the best thing to do to move forward. For financial advisors with those couples, there's a difficult situation, especially for anyone that has their CFP credential. You have a code of ethics requirement, a fiduciary responsibility to both of those people. So it's a very difficult position to be put in the middle and not giving conflicted advice to either party. So the best thing you can do is really partner with a certified divorce financial analyst who can come in and work with your clients as a financial neutral so that you don't risk having fiduciary problems with your code of ethics. That can be a great way to get started. I think it's difficult enough being a financial advisor and being the custodian of your client's financial dreams. And then adding on top of that, working with people in this stressful environment of divorce, why on earth did you set up Smarter Divorce Solutions? <laughs> a lot of people wonder that. I frankly went through my own divorce in 2007 in a less than optimal way. And as a financial advisor, really kind of, you know, fancied myself, hey, I'm a smart, intelligent person and we'll just do this ourselves, which most states now make it fairly easy to do your own divorce. And when things turn nasty after the divorce, and keep in mind, this was 2007, so we were right on the verge of the financial collapse. We had two rental properties and a primary home. Uh, I took one rental. He took one rental. He kept the primary home. And with the agreement that we would both refinance before the end of the year, I did. He did not. And subsequently, he ended up letting both of his properties go into foreclosure with my name on them. And there was absolutely nothing I could do about it. And I was really disappointed that going through that process, looking for the resources to give me the help and advice and support that I needed without having to engage the court system, I couldn't find anything. And so I just I learned about the credential, Certified Divorce Financial Analyst, and I just really became passionate about helping couples and individuals not make the same financial mistakes that I had made. And so I really launched the practice thinking I was going to be doing mostly litigation support. And much to my shock, couples started showing up together without attorneys, and they were extremely amicable. And they would say, look, we've been married 35 years. You know, we're friends, but this isn't much of a marriage anymore. Help us unwind the complicated financial situation that we've created over a 30-year marriage. And I got to tell you, Doug, it was the best work I had ever done. It was so rewarding. So we really focus now on working with couples that want to do divorce differently, who want to approach it with honor and respect and fairness and make sure that they're fully, fully educated about all of the decisions that have to be made. And they recognize they don't need to spend $100,000 on attorneys and judges because with the right team in place, they can figure out their own settlement and make sure that it's in the best interest of both of them. So what exactly is a CDFA? Is it part financial planner, part therapist, part referee? 
or all of them? CDFA, Certified Divorce Financial Analyst, is a financial expert in all aspects of divorce. Now, in order to get that credential, you must have at least a three-year background as either a financial advisor, an accountant, or a legal assistant paralegal. So you already have to be an experienced professional. The curriculum to get this credential is about 100 hours of self-study on some very specific intricacies of divorce, from valuing assets all the way through to specific IRS tax guidelines that exist that I am stunned that most financial advisors and most accountants are not even aware of. So very, very specialized area. Once you get into this area, you can then extend, right? I am also a mediator now, a trained mediator. I'm also a trained certified divorce coach because I really decided I wanted to help people more holistically, but that's not necessary. I have a lot of people that I train that are CDFAs that don't do anything other than support an individual who's using an attorney and they focus on the finances. And then of course, the beauty of being a financial advisor with this, with this credential is then you have an opportunity to work with people going through divorces and they get to know you, they get to trust you. And when it comes time for them to select a future financial advisor, well, who else are they going to pick? You've already built an amazing relationship. So it's actually a powerful way to build your wealth management practice with a real differentiation. So this sounds like something beyond financial planning or something a CPA could do for a divorced couple. Yep. 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 You're yep. exactly right. And Take all the intricacies of financial planning and marry them with all of the financial intricacies of divorce and yeah. have kind of a blended service that we provide. Does this work better for couples or can you do an individual in the divorce proceeding as well? Either one, either, either one. one. And my other favorite way to work, frankly, is with the non CFO spouse who is in a litigated divorce and is really struggling because you know, she may be a brilliant woman, but if she delegated the finances to a spouse for 40 years, she's blind blind and she needs some somebody to come in and really help her get educated and up to speed on the financial decisions that have to be made. What are some of the common financial mistakes you see people make in these divorce settlements? One of the most common is failing to accurately capture what their future expenses are going to be. It's an odd thing because the attorneys will ask their clients to do a budget and they'll say, write down all your expenses. Well, those numbers are being used to determine what long-term support should be. But nobody ever really tells the people, oh, by the way, these are not your current expenses. I need your best guess at your post-divorce expenses. So then that non-CFO spouse says, well, how in the heck am I supposed to know that? If I don't know what my support is going to be, how can I know what I can afford? How can I know if I'm going to be able to buy a house or not? So that attorney will typically bring in someone like me to work with that client and analyze their entire financial situation to figure out, you know, what's support going to look like? What is one party's ability to pay? One party's need to, to pay. So just going into this whole 
making all these financial decisions blind without doing any of the research up front. Probably the second biggest mistake is not valuing pensions properly and not knowing what the options are when there's a pension involved in a divorce. It's an incredibly complex area that often is neglected. And unfortunately, I see a lot of people five years, six years, 10 years post-divorce where it wasn't done properly in the beginning. And now there's not a darn thing they can do about it. Would you say the most difficult thing that you do in these cases is the numbers or the emotions around it or something completely different? You know, that it's interesting because the answer to that question really depends on who you are, yeah. right? For me personally, it's being the agent of reality. I'm the one that has to tell someone, I'm really sorry that you are not going to be able to afford to keep this home that you desperately want to stay in. I'm the one that has to tell a 52-year-old woman who hasn't worked in 30 years, she's going to have to create a career again. And let's talk about what that's going to look like. So that's the most challenging for me is kind of being that deliverer of bad news. Mm -hmm. I will tell you that most financial advisors, though, struggle with the human side. Let's face it, we're all left brain analytical numbers people, right? We want to get down to the facts and we know exactly what the right answers are. But boy, this is a human experience. And you really have to get comfortable with the emotions of divorce in order to be the most effective. Um, and frankly, Doug, that's why I did the certified divorce coaching curriculum. I wanted more of those human skills. I wanted to be able to get my clients more. But you don't have to do that. As a financial advisor, you can also have a network of other professionals that you work with. And you can say, hey, Ms. Client, you know what? I can tell you need some support in this area. I have a three divorce coaches I'd like to recommend to you. I have two therapists I'd like to recommend to you. So you don't have to do everything. You can stay niched in your own space. When did you think you had the internal drive to start your own business? <laughs> you know, the reality is I started my own business for the first time at 18 years old. <laughs> so I'm a little bit hardwired for it. And I've kind of been a serial entrepreneur most of my life. But yes, my first business, I was, it was a home-based party business teaching living rooms full of Navy wives how to do needlepoint projects. And I'm very happy to report I made enough money in one month to buy my own sewing machine at 18. So I was pretty, I was pretty jazzed about that. <laughs> Do you still have that sewing machine? No, it no, broke. It broke. I'm, I'm, I'm way too old now for that. I'm 52. So that'd be a 30 year old sewing machine. Yeah, it was just time. <laughs> so this business, when did you decide that you wanted to do this? About two months into my own divorce. Yeah. And at that time I was working corporate for one of the big firms, right? One of the discount brokers. And I went to my employer at that time. And I said, I would really like to get this credential. And they said, Oh no, 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 no. That's a lot of risk. And we don't really want anything to do with that. So I learned pretty early that unfortunately at this point, the broker dealer community, not very supportive of this work. So I actually chose to leave my 13-year employer in favor of being a registered investment advisory where I could then have my own outside business activity and the two could partner together much more effectively. 
So frankly, that's what I, when I get a call from someone at Merrill Lynch or Morgan Stanley and they say, Hey, I just got my CBFA. I need help getting started. I say, hmm, are you willing to leave? Cause they're not going to really let you do this work. So unfortunately it's just a reality of the industry right now. Yeah. What were some of the challenges along the way that you had? What wasn't a challenge? Yeah. Starting your own business is such a roller coaster and it's such a ride and it's, but the first 18 months that I started my business, I had to adopt a mantra. And I must have said this in my head 24 times a day. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Feel the fear, do it anyway. Feel the fear, do it anyway. And that is how I got through that first 18 months. And to my knowledge, I am the only CDFA holder that has ever built a six-figure practice in 18 months. And so now I teach and train other financial advisors how to do the same thing. But it's a constant roller coaster. And you have to be a little bit addicted to that. I love, I love the challenge. Now I have a, a new mantra that says, if I'm not feeling afraid, then I'm not doing it right. I'm not pushing hard enough if I'm not feeling a little bit sick to my stomach. I, I just know that I'll never get where I want to be unless I'm pushing the boundary every day. So success in 18 months, I was going to say, when did you know it was going to be successful? But that's pretty, pretty fast for an entrepreneur. It's extremely fast. And what happened is when those couples showed up, I identified the need. I did some research and in Maricopa County, where I live, the Phoenix metropolitan area, 76% of all divorces were self-filed and unrepresented. And I thought, that is my market. This is who's showing up at my gates. People who say, we don't want to go to war. We know we, want to, we don't want to be married anymore. It's not best for either one of us, but help us do this without going to war. And oh my gosh, that just resonated so much with my values and my belief system. And so ever since I found that niche and I realized those people were out there, my business has just become a snowball. It's like, I just keep showing up every day. And now I have five employees. We are up to, you know, uh, we're pushing a million dollars in revenue every year. And I'm teaching and training people all around the country to have businesses like this because people want something different. 90% of people getting a divorce, have no reason to be in a criminal court system. And so I just, I'm really passionate now about helping people find those other options. What advice do you have for other entrepreneurs who have the bug to venture out there? Those people from Merrill Lynch or somebody else that's doing something completely different to be as successful as you have become? Yeah. Well, first be willing to invest in yourself. You have to find the business coaches, the training programs, where are your shortfalls? Because if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you have to do it. You have to be able to know enough about everything to be able to delegate it and monitor it. You don't have to be the best, but you need to know about every single piece of the business. Very few of us are ready to do that. Most people starting are going to really struggle in marketing. We've never been trained to be marketers. So get the support that you need. Second, make sure that you have the financials up front to cover you for at least six months. You want to know you can put six months of solid effort in without having any kind of a cash flow crunch. And trust yourself 
to do the work. Or maybe it's asking yourself, do I really have what it takes? Am I going to do the work to make this happen? And if the answer to that is yes, am I sure that I will not accept no as the answer? Because that's what it takes. You have to have a certain level of grit that if somebody says to you, oh, yeah, it doesn't really work that way. You say, oh, want to bet? Get out of my way and let me show you how I'm going to do it. So you have to be quite stubborn and, 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 and have that, that characterization that says, I will not quit. As hard as you push me, this is what I'm meant to do. So get out of my way. I have stuff to get done. I love that. Um, <laughs> We'll, we'll get you out of here with this question. In, in this hugely difficult time for so many people, and you work with people at a very difficult time in their lives, what have you learned about the human spirit? I, I was sharing this with someone else the other day. As I walk around my neighborhood now, we are all so hardwired for connection. And you're really feeling that from everyone. So I walk around the neighborhood and of course everybody's out walking. But the difference is when I used to walk around my neighborhood, if somebody was coming the other direction, it kind of put their head down or avoid my eyes. Now, man, we're waving to each other. How you doing? You holding up okay? And we're all feeling this need to be connected. And what an amazing time. I, I, I can't think of another time in history except for maybe when the dinosaurs went extinct, when the entire globe was dealing with something at the same time. If you have never felt that spirit of we're all in this together, man, if you're not feeling that now, I don't know when you will. But there's a real connection among humanity right now that's kind of inspiring. I completely agree. How can people find you that want to learn more or talk to you? For financial advisors, especially, if you're considering this field, divorcefinancialtraining.com is all about the training programs I have to help advisors learn more about this, about this field. Uh, you can also email me, nancy at smarterdivorcesolutions.com. And if you're interested in what a business like this looks like, smarterdivorcesolutions.com. And you can kind of take a peek and see what we're up to. Nancy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Doug. I appreciate it. For everybody at Iris Media Works, our producer, Jakey Beard, and the Power Your Advice podcast team, this is Doug Heikinen. Thank you.